0: Detective, thrill me. Scream! Scream for your lives!
1: You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Oh, I know this creature of yours. When the dragon gets this old, it knows nothing but pain. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted.
0: Welcome to the South gentlemen. Open the pod bay doors, help.
1: Huh? I'm sorry,
0: Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
1: So? celestial so event. no works.
0: You really shook the pillars
1: of heaven, didn't you What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Illustrated Fan the podcast part of the Phantom Galaxy. I'm your host Nathan Barball and my co-host Dave
1: Becker is with me tonight. Dave, how are you doing? I am doing great, Nathan. Great to uh, be back and to be talking um animation again. You know, it's it's funny all these all of the the podcasts I'm talking horror it's it's just it's it's sort of refreshing. It's almost like, you know, sort of like podcasting pushups in a way to come on and talk about something else. And and boy, we got some great movies lined up tonight. And real quick, I do just want to give a shout out um, my coworker, uh, Christian, uh, Chris, um, uh, a coworker of mine is actually going into um, is, is in school right now, is, is going into the animation field. Um, and i had mentioned to him about the podcast and he listened to the first couple episodes and really enjoyed them and i told him i would give him a shout out so uh, this this is me fulfilling that promise so um uh just uh keep listening and thank you so much for listening chris and uh and good luck in uh, in all of your future endeavors
0: yeah thank you so much uh and that's awesome it's always cool to hear when someone is like pursuing that because it's 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 it, we'll be talking about this tonight. It's always neat based on what you can do now and what you can kind of achieve in animation, yeah. even starting out that it always makes me excited when I hear that somebody wants to pursue that, because these days it's not a given at all. Oh, you're just going to go become a cog somewhere in a machine churning out animation uh, as we're about to talk about tonight, you can do it almost solo sometimes, you know, if the right vision and everything. So it's exactly. very cool.
1: Exactly. It's, it's very cool. And, 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 um, he'll post his projects that he's doing for school on Facebook sometimes. And I, I get to see them and it's very talented, very cool. Um, and, um, Yeah. I'm 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 anxious to uh to, to see what he what he does with it. So uh but well, you're right. We might have to have him on sometime and, yeah. and
0: talk some animation with us. That'd be that'd be fun.
1: absolutely. I I would I would I will extend that invitation, absolutely.
0: So okay. So tonight, uh last time we kind of what we did, we talked about uh the movies of uh, uh Makoto Shinke, uh two movies, more of his two more recent films, and then we had decided that this topic for tonight would be Uh, animated war films and of course we're not going to get into it uh we're going to talk about two of them there are there's a decent number of films that i think feature war in animation Mm -hmm. i think the two we're going to talk about tonight that you picked dave are really intriguing though because they they definitely stand apart from i think most of how we see war in animation where there's still an element of this is a kind of a genre film or, you know, maybe this is intended for the anime audience or maybe this is intended for, you know, even a film like Grave of the Fireflies. There's still sort of a child's perspective, even, if, yes. even though that is a grueling film in a sense. Ooh, There's yeah. something about these two movies that is feels very different uh, in the way they were conceived in a sense where they felt like they were almost conceived first and then they decided upon animation, not as an afterthought, but as an interesting choice once the other choices were considered.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think we can, we can get into that. And and starting with the short film.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's, I'll go ahead, I'll introduce the short film, because I, I really wanted to talk about it, because uh, as we, last time, as we were talking, we did talk about Makoto Shinkai, and two of what I think are two of his very best movies so far. And he's got a decent, you know, as we mentioned, he's a decent uh filmography so far and we made that connection and I think a lot of people have said it too that right now out in the field he feels like one of the closest things we have to the next Miyazaki. It's almost not yes. fair to call somebody the next Miyazaki, and I think we have made that case: is oh, he's not the next Miyazaki, but he's the he feels like he's the next master that people will want to pay attention to the yes. way they pay attention to Miyazaki.
1: If if if, if if his initial works are any indication, I absolutely agree, and that's even starting with this. This was his first, I believe, the one we're going to be talking about tonight, if I'm not mistaken. I think he, I think there was one before
0: it, um, oh, and okay. I, I can't remember what it was called. It was something about because I had watched a little. Uh, short film that had covered it, and I think it was something about uh, somebody and her cat or something. It was a short film, oh, an animated okay. short film. But again, this was this was the one that essentially, I think, got him on the map go kind of back it and pick it up, but he basically made it uh, himself. That's the first thing that we should talk yes. about. It was written, directed, and produced by Makoto Shinke on his Power Mac G4 using Lightwave, Adobe Photoshop, After Effects, and the uh, and, and Commotion uh, 3.1, which at the time, this is software that really most people, you had to shell out a little bit of money for it. Anyone could really get their hands on any of these things. This is not him using the materials of a big studio. This is right. him getting stuff that, that a person could put on their own Power Mac, the way he did, and then make it. But what results from this is you would look at this, forget the quality of the story or anything else, you would look at this short film and say... That was made by a studio, maybe one of the big studios. I mean, yes, that was my feeling.
1: Uh, Absolutely, I, I agree.
0: It. So, so let's talk about it because it was may. He made it himself, essentially a one a one man show in a sense. And he was, it, it was, he was still working a day job at this point. You know, that was not animator.
1: And, and the and the name of it is Voices of a Distant Star. I'm not sure if yes. we mentioned that yet.
0: Yeah, Voices of a Distant Star, and it ultimately gets released in 2002. And uh, I saw it probably a few years after that. The basic plot involves uh, a schoolgirl, Keiko Nagimi, and she is recruited into the UN Space Army to fight a war against the Tarsians, who are this group of sort of aggressive aliens that come from a region of Mars, the Tharsis region of Mars. So what's interesting about that is you get this... Story that starts out with the schoolgirl sort of element, not unlike some of the movies we talked about last time. You know, here's somebody on their phone. I love that this is the far future, and she's got the coolest cell phone of 2004, right?
1: Right. <laughs> Basically,
0: yeah. <laughs> like it's that's the one thing. Like he he imagines that these phones can do cool things and reach across the Gulf of Space, but he still thinks it looks like a little brick. <laughs> Right. So <laughs> but she's this special agent and she pilots this giant mecha, and it, they call them tracers and she's part of this squadron that's attached to like a to the spacecraft carrier. It's the little Scythia that's sitting sitting out in space and it's looking for the Tarsians. Her friend Naburo Tarro is still on Earth. And so they're continuing to communicate across space using the email on their on their <laughs> so on their telephones. Right. But as right. it goes deeper into space, not unlike movies like Interstellar, you know, the messages are taking increasingly longer to reach the and you get that time lag is eventually going over years. And so when it starts at 2047, she seems to be alone in this empty city and she's contacting people through the phone, but then she's really inside of that tracer and that robot that's outside of the planet. And then uh, they, you know, there's this sci-fi action story that's kind of going on, throughout. The features, what I would say, would be the normal tropes that when you ask somebody, oh, do you like anime? You mean stuff with giant robots and aliens? Not really. Uh, And and young (laughs) schoolgirls? I mean, it's almost like Shinkei says, okay, you got your young schoolgirls, you got your romance, you got your giant robots and your aliens, uh, but... But that's not really what this is about, you know? And so the story, I don't even want to ruin it because it is only about a 24, 22, 24 minute story. And there's a part where she's going out to Agartha, which is this fourth planet of that Sirius solar system. The planet's made up, but I mean, a lot of this is made up. (laughs) So she sends this email and then it's going to say, I am here. And that's going to reach him eight years later. And there's a lot of stuff going on where she starts to have hallucinations, the battle with the aliens is going on and you're not sure what, what exactly this she encounters a doppelganger of herself. And she's not really sure what's happening, but the doppelganger is offering for her to see Naburo again. Like, Oh, the one thing that she never did was kind of express her true feelings to him. And now because of this golf and this battle, maybe they'll never be able to do so. And then the, uh, the battle, there's a big, epic space battle but again while that battle's happening there are other things going on and really i think i don't want to go any further with that would you agree right. that that's that's basically yeah. the setup we in and, and all of it is done extraordinarily well The one element i will say about the way this film looks the animation is beautiful if you've seen some shinkai's other work uh, watching a little short film here, I saw one of the ways that he was working, particularly in this early day, is that he would take actual photos and then just illustrate over them.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, almost
0: like you see the character doing in, um, in I think, uh, Your Name. You know, he's looking and he's 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 drawing everything he sees because he was taking photos and then animating over them and converting those images of real places in Tokyo. That's why he gets this feeling of ultra realism. You know, where hey. Watching that kid eat that Big Mac looks extraordinarily real. Uh, it's not rotoscoping. It's he's, he's literally creating new animated images from these places, but he's not relying on pure imagination. And I think right. that's the thing that makes those animated sequences really good. The stuff with the mechs and the aliens looks a little dated because he made it on his MacBook Pro right. or his Mac G4, but it doesn't look terrible and yeah. i would say i've seen movies like some of the pat labor movies and and some of the even some of the evangelion movies from the same time frame that have equally shoddy cgi you know i think in places mm-hmm. i don't think there was anything there visually that was that uh disarming but what comes through for me in this is the story you have a solid science fiction story that is about exactly the same thing that your name and weathering were you about two people who share a connection and are trying for every against every odd in the universe to see that connection through uh and be able to express their feelings and that's the thing that works so well I think
1: I agree 100%. I I you know it's uh, again and, and as you're watching this and you know you think back to your name and weathering with you 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 look at the animation especially with the two characters and you think okay well this is him just get, getting his start sort of starting out because it looks a little I don't want to say raw because that that would that would I think that's that's that sort of calls to mind uh, some negative has some negative connotations to it, and it's not bad. I mean, it's just different. You know, They're a little more
0: stylized. This. Like, yeah, they look a little bit more like your generic anime moppets, only because I just don't think he's quite crafting all the personality that you later
1: see. Right, and 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 you know, but but still, he gets that story and he gets that connection. The interesting thing is. Um, you know, with the girl, she's always in that schoolgirl uniform. Yes, uniform, <laughs> which I thought was interesting, you know, um, even, even, uh, out in, out in space. Um, she, she's wearing that same uniform, but it's that, it's that connection with the characters. And like you're saying eight years, um, b- between messages when he gets a message. Uh, and again, I don't want to go into too deep into spoilers, but he gets a mess, uh, gets a message from her after a year. At which point she says, okay, we're going deeper and it's going to take eight years for the next message. By the time you get this one, I'm already there. I mean, and the connection that they have and the fact that, you know, the the few scenes that we see with them at the beginning, um, you you see the connection between them, but it goes sort of unexpressed. You know, it's sort of um, unspoken because they're kids they're teenagers you know they're, they're not they're, they're not really they haven't reached that maturity level of being able to just sort of lay their feelings out there until they're so far away and then they it's nothing but sort of regret that it did that they weren't able to do so and you feel that coming through in this, Movie with all of these cool things happening, these these battles in space and and um, you know these scenes back on Earth, which as you said, they're animated beautifully. I mean, it looks so realistic the these settings and 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 what he's doing, but it is a science fiction story. Um, but it's that it's that can it's that these two characters that give it its center and hold it together with everything else going on. That's where you're emotionally invested, you know. We there's not they don't build they don't take a lot of time to build this battle with the, with this alien race or um, the fact that the, that they're serving in the military or or the the you know or the why she's not aging and he's a you know all of these things that are going on. They don't dedicate the time to that. They dedicate the time to these two characters and this connection that they formed, and that's what makes it so. That's what I think sort of um clues you in on where he's going to eventually go with his later movies, you know? And that's where you get the auteur, the 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 um the continual style that um that he gives you uh, throughout his films, and that that sort of underlying theme in all of them is this connection between these characters and he starts it here. And even though it's only 24 minutes, I mean, he manages to give you a complete arc with these two characters um, to the point that you are completely invested in their story.
0: We need to get through all of his films <laughs> you know,
1: through, yeah. through
0: oh, illustrated yeah. fan. I think we should always try to get one of his movies in not every single time, but you know, as we go along, because it made me realize like, yeah, I've some of them I've seen, I saw the one he did directly after this called the place promised in our early days. And mm. it's, it's also really good, you know. Yeah, the story you're right has the feel of a nine line or even a Ray Bradbury. But like nine and Bradbury, that stuff is just kind of filler. You know, that yeah. sci fi stuff is the mo- is the most generic anime kind of related stuff that you could find. It's not handled necessarily generically. It looks fine. It's fun and it, it's exciting as it's happening. But it is clearly there in sir in service to this. And I think what's interesting is. I don't. I haven't looked a lot into his biography, but I can't imagine that people weren't like knocking on his door to get him to commit to whatever big franchise they could get. You know, I mean, can you imagine? You know, like trying to get you for a for a Robotech or or you know an Evangelion or something of that that level, and yet you see that instead he just carves. He keeps carving his own way. He right. keeps, I think that's the Miyazaki, right? The part where he just keeps, he has a path in front of him and he's not deterred from it. And you can see that in a movie as recently as Weathering With You and how those two, you can watch these two together and know that they were absolutely made by the same person.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where the connection with Miyazaki is. Yeah. Even if it's not in in a story or even a stylistic way, it's the fact that he's an auteur. He is the one creating the vision. That's what Miyazaki did and that's what and 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 that's what he's doing. I mean, you you uh, animation is 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 by its very nature. And the way that it is done now is is sort of a by committee. I mean, you look at some of the great animated movies of the last twenty years, and you're looking at, At um, you know, Shrek and everything that's coming out of Pixar, there's sort of a a group of people that came together. Yeah, there's a director or two directors, but it's really a group of people coming together to tell this story.
0: There's an army who usually are behind getting this thing done. That's why the credits run for 20 minutes. And Lord of the Rings, the credits
1: run for so long. They run for so long. Yeah. Here's one guy. (laughs) This is one guy. And even with Miyazaki, he had a team. He had he had Studio Ghibli. But it was his vision. It was what he he watched. He w- oversaw every aspect of it, and that's what I think we're getting from him. And that's why, if 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 anyone's oh, going to say, even if it's not stylistic, even if it's not story wise, he's the next Miyazaki because he is the next auteur in Japanese anime.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I want to say about this. And it starts right here. And I, you know, the few things I often hear people say, with you know, where they're trying to find a uh, something that's kind of positive to say about Michael Bay. Well, I love the way he shoots those beautiful sunsets and you know the, the <laughs> <Right>. golden suns. <laughs> I mean, and I and I almost agree that sometimes I'd rather just watch a montage of of Michael Bay's sunsets and skip his action explosions. But he's got nothing on 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 Shinkei here. Uh, his like those golden sunsets and those beautiful like azure skies, and I mean, yeah. His his like landscape imagery in all of his films is so exceptional, and even when you know you're looking at a still painting, it is just so vibrant and and again yes. very different, very different than a Miyazaki and very different than than many of the other anime artists. It's it's uniquely his own. They 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 give you a real feeling of almost nostalgia. I get almost a feeling of like the fall. You know, kind of looking at some of those images.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And and what's and what's really something is in this story, that world, as beautiful as it is, is almost um you get the feeling sort of post-apocalyptic. Oh like yeah, was for a war. sure.
0: Like it's been, you know? it's been rocked. And, and and you know, there's that element you think about his other films. I was thinking about that. Did you have these warm stories? But you have major conflicts you know very yes. major earth-shattering events happening in all these movies it's a sweet little love story against yes. the backdrop of cataclysm i maybe he is like michael bay <laughs> maybe he is the thinking man's michael bay
1: <laughs> anyway that's interesting that's interesting I don't, yeah. I don't know if i don't know that he'd be jumping up and down about the comparison to no, no, no. michael but bay I mean, but that's your I mean, point is well taken definitely
0: it's kind of a joke but it's interesting to see see a filmmaker take all those same elements, you know, yep. that on paper, you can, you could totally see Michael Bay making a $300 million movie of Voices of a Distant Star, but <laughs> it would be, it would really be explosions of a distant theater that you could hear in whatever movie you were watching.
1: <laughs> exactly. And instead of sending texts, she'd be, she'd be rattling off one-liners.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 yeah, exactly. Sending selfies. I don't know. But um, right. so what's your rating on this one, Dave?
1: Uh, I, I got to say, and it's, this is the first time I've seen it, um, I'd have to say I'm going to go a 9 out of 10. And I don't know that it won't be higher or, or, or on a rewatch because it's not like I can come up with anything negative to say about it. Um, it's wonderful. It really is. And it does give you an idea. Um, if you watch this before you watch Your Name and Weathering with You, um, it really does give you an idea of, uh, of what you're in store for with those later films. You know, even if the animation is different and that's what I'm going to say different. It's not, it's not inferior in any way. It's just different because of what he was using as as you, as you laid out at the beginning. Um, But no, story wise, it's, it's like right there with, with what his themes are in his other films. So a nine out of 10, definitely.
0: Yeah, you know what? Same for me. A nine out of ten. I there are going to be some people who watch this and and say, well, you know, some of the image, some of the visuals were a little dated. But I do concur with what you're saying, Dave. It is still beautiful to look at. It still yes. looks lovely, and uh, it's not, and it's really that dated. It's not dated to the point where it's ugly to look at or something like right. that. You know, right. there are other animated films that look even more dated that I still enjoy. Uh, a movie like Titan A.E. I still like that movie, even though the CGI in that film is pretty well dated, and it's nothing. There, there, are, there's nothing that looks kind of uh, as out of place as some of that stuff does in this particular mm-hmm. uh, film. I'll put no. the link to the one we watched. Uh, it was hard to find. You can, I think, purchase it, but there is a version on Daily Motion that uh, I, with, that we saw that had uh, dubbing in it. But it's a good dub. It's nothing. It
1: is a good dub. Egregious. Yes. Just yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so let's move on then to our next film, our first of our two feature films. And Dave, do you want to go ahead and set that one up for us?
1: Sure. Um, this is the uh, 2008. It is an Israeli film. It's actually a, an animated documentary slash war slash drama um, uh, from, who is it? Uh, it is uh, Ari uh, Folman who wrote, produced, and directed this one. And actually, it's based on, um, he's a character in it. It's, it's based on his story. Uh, it was back in 1982 that Ari Foman, he was 19 years old, and he was a uh, soldier, an IDF soldier, um, in, in obviously the Israeli Army and um, the Israeli Defense Force. And um, this is, takes place in, uh, in modern times, in the 2000s, meets up with a, a friend of his named Boaz and they're sitting at a bar and Boaz is telling him about a dream he's had from the uh, Lebanon war, you know, something that that he had to do. Um, and uh, the, the, the movie opens with this dream and it's these dogs running through the streets of Tel Aviv and settling outside of Boaz's house as if they're waiting to tear him apart. Um, and then he proceeds to tell a story. And it sort of sets uh, Ari Fulman off and he's like, you know what, I, I don't really have um, Nightmares or dreams or anything about uh, my time in the war and I was there for some you know pretty horrific stuff. Um, but it, it, it just hasn't uh, affected me. but that night, he has a dream. He has a dream about um, something and it it goes back to a time period. Um, it was the night of the uh, Sabra and uh, Sh- uh, Shatila massacres. Um, which was a, a very uh, a big uh, a very big event from this war. And he was there for that. So the movie is him going around interviewing oh um, you know, he's talking with psychiatrists, he's talking with um, compatriots who were who served in that same war, uh, trying to figure out, you know what is it why why has he, has his brain blocked these? Did they, did they not have the effect on him that, 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 they had that some of these horrific things had on others? Or is he, is his mind just choosing to suppress them? And, um, that's what the movie is. And, and him slowly putting the pieces together of, um, of his service and, and slowly remembering. I mean, there are either, he ends up talking with one Fellow soldier, who he was with, he was in the same unit, and this guy's talking about a, a time when they were going through this grove and and the tanks and these these uh, Palestinian kids uh, came at them with these, um, uh, I guess almost like an anti tank, you know, like a, almost like a bazooka. And um, Ari's like, "Oh, was I there for that?" And this guy's like, "Yeah, of course you were there for that." And he's like, "Yeah, I was. Why? Why didn't I remember that?" So it's it's really him. Uh, You know, as much as this is a war movie, and there are scenes of war, it is really really about Ari Folman trying to figure out what's going on in his own mind, trying to connect the pieces of his service um, with is you know, am I suppressing them? What's going on? And how you know how much was I involved with that um, you know Sabra and uh, Shatila massacres? Um, you know, because that's what his dream is about is the night that those happens. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll, turn it over to you, Nathan, real quick to, to, get some of your impressions on this one. But, uh, I love the fact that, you know, that they had this war, but it really is, um, uh, as much about an internal struggle as it is the en- external struggle.
0: Yeah, and this is a really interesting movie because, I, on one hand, it kind of feels like that rotoscoping animation mm-hmm. you know, um, that you would see earlier in a movie like Waking Life. A lot of what Richard Linkletter was doing actually around this time, he also did Scanner Darkly. Um, right. I mean, those two could be their own episode, really. But what's here is very different, and what's interesting about it is the animation doesn't really come off as... Uh, and correct me if you feel differently, but it doesn't, doesn't have that same feel. It feels much more stylistically its own thing. It doesn't yeah. really feel like you're watching a rotoscoped movie per
1: se. No, uh, no, not at all. Not at all.
0: Like so much of what has been done on top of all this. And what's interesting is the way he blends real, the truth and fiction together. Uh, and I don't mean fantasy, but re- literally like it's hard to tell how much of this really is Fulman's experience. And how, because there are characters here who are fictional too, you know, who don't didn't yep. actually exist, and then right. others who are adaptations of real people. So he's blurring the lines there to begin with, and then that's on top of a story that is blurring the lines again, right? Because he right. can't remember this, or well, he has memories, but his memories are very different, you know, from what he's being told, and then at the same time. There are other dream sequences in these films and, and even his friend who's having the dream about the dogs that are always chasing him. You know, mm-hmm. because these are the dogs he shot when he was in the war right. because he was they they recognized he was having a problem shooting people so they're like we're going to get you to shoot the dogs. And right. there's another dream sequence where it's kind of odd because it's like the kind of giant woman this sort of almost like she's sort of floating on her at one point, like in the, in the, in the river. And Mm -hmm. and it's some, some interesting and strange like imagery, but all of this imagery is at the, at the service of a story that feels like a documentary, really, you know, it's got that feeling of, I need to get to the bottom of this. It feels like a real person trying to delve inside of themselves to figure out, figure out a truth that they think they're hiding from themselves. Right. And yet it's, it's not a mystery. You know what I mean? It's not done like a mystery movie per se. It's not done as a Hollywood kind of thriller what's he going to find out, you know? His conclusions that he comes to are sort of the conclusions that we all not not the those exact conclusions, but they are conclusions that provide a certain amount of closure for him, but not mm-hmm. necessarily for anything else, you know, story-wise. Right. This isn't a this isn't a movie about a gotcha moment. Um,
1: right, right. No, it's not. It's it's not, and it does sort of um, create a, an intriguing mystery. But you're right; that's not the driving force behind it. There's yeah. a intriguing yeah.
0: mystery, but it's not. It's not a a, a a mystery that's driven with this purpose of I'm breathlessly awaiting to see what's going to happen. Right. There's
1: know? not going to be a the eureka moment where yeah. he's like, "Oh, now the pieces have come together." Um, and then, and again, I don't want to get too deep into it. But when he decides to go outside of animation, see what I thought, I thought that what, where the animation served this was in the dream sequences, because if you think about that opening sequence with the dogs running through the streets, if you were to shoot that live action, it would not have that same dramatic effect that it has in animation, I think. And also the other dream sequences, like you were saying, floating on the, 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 um, the, the oversized woman. Um, uh, you know, in the water there, and and watching the the, the boat uh, blow up, um, it, it it would not have the same effect shooting it in live action. Uh, but yet, he makes a very stylistic choice that the ending of the movie, the last sequence in the movie, is footage. You know, from 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 these massacres, and it really puts. Um, a very, a, a very disturbing and and troubling and dramatic, sort of period at the end of this movie, um, you know. By doing that, and I thought that was an interesting choice to then go outside of animation, you know. It was the building of of memories and and what's going on in his mind, and then once he gets that connection, now we're back to reality.
0: It's yes, it's almost like the perfect cap to the story and what the story is about. I think that's what's so impressive about the animation in this film. I want to talk about that animation a little bit more moment, but what's impressive is that it is absolutely used to, like we said before, as you're thinking of how to tell the story, you could have told the story in live action. You could have even told it as maybe a dramatic thriller, and it still would have been a probably pretty good movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. You could have you could have yeah. told it in the typical Hollywood. Uh, I think we're going to find about both of the movies we we saw. These would probably be Academy Award nominated movies, even if they were live action and done in a traditional Hollywood style. They, you know, yeah. that tends to be what Hollywood kind of a uh, you know the Academy sometimes uh, gravitates towards. But his decisions here to do the animation really underscore the point he's getting at about the sort of this this beautiful veneer and these worlds that we construct in our mind, sometimes to protect us from the world that is the way it is. And mm-hmm. so as he's looking for this truth, we understand that at some point he may come across the fact that maybe he was better off, right. <laughs> not better off, but perhaps from a perspective of, of his understanding, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be caught. He doesn't want to be living under a gauze of lies or a gauze right. of, of dreams. He wants to know, and yet you understand that that knowing will probably be more painful. And so, when that when that animation evaporates or dissolves, what we see is the footage that we see at the end of the movie. It's the aftermath, you know. Yes, it's, it's the wreckage in a sense of of those events. And that's what's interesting is it's the it's after the war itself. You know, we talked about we picked films about war, but it's the aftermath of the war. And that's what this mm-hmm. movie is. It's the aftermath of the war. It's what is still living on in this guy's head and the heads of the people he meets. And that's kind of the most fascinating thing is he talks to these other people and you get this overarching portrait that we, you know, we've seen tons of movies about this. I kind of like the fact this is another movie, Dave. We talked about when we were talking about the short films like Ryan last time, how the the choices that were made by um uh in in those short films when the choices that were made to shoot like Ryan Larkin as he looked almost like a desiccated like android yes. you know we, mm-hmm. like that, that weird almost sci-fi veneer to a realistic story you have it a little bit this here there's an almost a fantasy or a or you know this could almost be a Philip K Dick story like like uh, Scanner Darkly, you know, a man mm-hmm. who remembers a different memory that may be fabricated. I mean, it doesn't go into science fiction. I'm not saying that. But right. those elements and those tones are almost there. You know, this is a story with a very dreamlike uh, facade to it and which could only really be achieved through the animation. And the mm-hmm. animation, I think, evokes even stronger feelings. We are so accustomed to war footage, uh, even documentary war footage. That in order to make it hit home even harder, I think animation was absolutely the right choice. And not just animation, but these dream sequences, those dogs in the street, that giant woman floating through the water. These are images that stick in your mind, and they underscore the later images of the exploding ships and things like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, the, the, you know, it, 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 it brings something to the, to the realism, you know, and again, it goes back to how his mind is, is treating these and how the minds of the other people. I mean, you know, that, that story with the floating woman, that wasn't his story. That was someone else's story, but that's how the, that's the dreams. That's what they're, they're sort of connecting yeah, that's to. Interesting.
0: Everyone's crisp. Everyone has an idealized vision, whether that vision is, is cementing guilt or hiding from it. They all have something, the dogs, the floating woman, his reverie, where they're all sort of, you know, uh bathing in the water you know as the flares are going up like everybody has something
1: yes and there's even a moment in this which i thought was was very interesting and i think it's it's almost like something he was putting in there because it's something he remembered from his days in the service where he walks in on a commander um watching uh basically one of those a triple x (laughs) video yes yes. (laughs) and we, we get images in Waltz with Bashir that not even Ralph Bakshi gave us in Fritz the Cat. <laughs> you know? That's very, That's an
0: interesting perspective. And yet, it doesn't feel out of place. You know, No, here. No, it think, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And another thing to say, you know what I also really like about this movie is I really like the score. You know? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. That Max Richter does. And it's a kind of an... Un, it's weird... It's a very sort of understated or, or, or minimalist. Would that be the right way to? Yes, you know, mm-hmm. it has a minimalist quality to it, and yet it is the perfect quality, I think, for what they're trying to do. For for the it's a tone that he's trying to achieve, that film trying to achieve. I think the other thing about this movie that we have to say is, it is an amazing film. I think in almost every every. Uh, facet you know it yeah. is a great story it's amazingly well told this idea to do this is kind of the land between documentary and fiction and animation and and live action i mean it's almost perfectly melded in a way where i don't think it makes too many missteps it in my opinion it was one of the best films that came out in 2008
1: i agree with you i mean this is this definitely i think it made my top 10 that year um and rightly so i mean i it's 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 an it's a documentary i mean it really is a documentary this is yeah. the director you know and you're right i mean there's it, it is a documentary um and it's an animated documentary i mean it's stunning but it's disturbing at the same time um but it really is it's a it, you know it's it's a war movie but it's it's a journey into the mind and i think that that's why it works so well with animation that's why he uh that that's that's I think that's why I, maybe that's why he decided to do it as animation. But even uh, aside from that, it works so well as an animated movie. When it comes to like those sequences that we're talking about, it's it's really something else.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a great film. It was nominated for the best foreign language film. And you can tell that's something when, when the Academy Awards actually decide to nominate an animated film for something other than being
1: animated, right? Yes, yes. The Academy is, is the, for, for years, and when you look at the nominations, the, the Academy just has not realized that there are such a thing as adult um, uh, animated films or more... Challenging animated films, you know they they love the they love they they still look at it as a kids medium. Unfortunately, and and a lot they'll throw something in there every now and again, but you know it's not going to win. You know if if Pixar has a movie out that year, Pixar is going (laughs) to walk away with the Academy Award, and that's not to be detrimental to Pixar. I love Pixar. I love a lot of Pixar's movies.
0: At the time of recording this, this is just coming off of the Academy Awards. Yeah, for what they were this year and yeah you know again the animated uh the animated category had two pixar films in it soul and onward and soul was the one that won but i honestly yeah. think the better movie was wolf walkers um i don't think you yeah. we, we had originally talked about we will get around to doing that movie here on illustrated fan it's it's a fantastic film but and it is still that would still fall within kind of family friendly but you know, you're right. Almost anytime there's any kind of challenging element. And the thing about Waltz with Bashir and the next film we're going to talk about is these truly are adult films. And not even adult in the sense of where someone might call the movie heavy metal adult. Or even even the, the movie I was talking about, like Scanner Darkly, where it has more of a graphic novel, teenage sci-fi feel. You know what I mean? Like, right. this is adult in the sense that it is mature uh, not mature like the movie that the guy he walked in on was watching, but mature right. <laughs> in its themes and its ideas that this isn't um, this is interested in the interiors of, of the human spirit and things like that. This is mm-hmm. not in any way, it's not a comic book movie, it's not a kid's film, it certainly is not a kid's film. Uh, I, for me, I honestly I'm pretty high and I, I, it's definitely it could probably be higher watching at this time, it's definitely a 9 for me. Uh and there's really, it, it probably could even go higher. I, It's been some years since I've seen it. I think it's a fantastic movie. And you know what? Something you said, you were, you were talking about kind of something that more than Bakshi ever gave us. It's an interesting thing. And I wonder how much Fulman, you know, actually may be a fan of Bakshi. Because did you ever see his movie, <laughs> The Congress?
1: No, I have not. seen. I've seen quite a few Bakshi films, but I have not seen that one.
0: Well, but that's not a boxy movie. It's an Ari Folman movie. Oh, Fulman it's not. It oh was, no, um, I've not. It, no,
1: this was the only. This is the only Ari Folman oh, okay. uh, movie I've seen.
0: It, that one wasn't as well received, it, but it came out a few years later. It was a legitimate science fiction movie where Robin Wright plays a version of herself that you know she's kind of in. A, she's in a in a in a circumstance where, in order to provide for a family member, she ends up selling her likeness, like her almost holographic likeness, to a company. That buys it and then puts her in this animated world called the Congress, where all of these animated characters throughout history live. And it looks like a boxy Ooh. world gone crazy. It's almost like oh, we wow. could do cool world <laughs> and yeah. this and and this film back to back. It's live action meets animation. And there's an Is animated Robin talking? Wright now running around inside of this universe. So that's one I'm I'm kind of anxious to kind of check out again. So we should plan that one sometime. But you can yeah. see the boxy influences in that one. So I'm I wouldn't be surprised if Fulman, wasn't thinking Bakshi a little bit. And of course Bakshi was a rotoscoper, was the original rotoscoper oh, kind of. Yeah, right? the yeah. the
1: original one. I mean, you think of those scenes in um in Wizards and Lord Lord of the Rings yeah. with uh with the battle scenes. Yeah, definitely uh maybe not the rotoscoper. most
0: smooth, but the most original, the yeah. original guy. Yeah.
1: Exactly. He yeah. is the original. He is definitely the original. So how did you
0: <laughs> what did you rate this one, uh, Dave? I
1: would give it I say a nine point five. I mean I and and I think that um uh yeah, like I said, it made my it made my top ten that year. And uh every time I see it, it just gets better. I mean it, you know, it's it's a cliche, but it really is unlike any other animated film I've seen before. It's it unlike you know, any it, other it, war it,
0: film I've seen too, you know. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it really is because it it is it it is an animated documentary. And I'm like, it's certainly not original. I'm sure there have been other there are plenty of other animated documentaries, but um, just where it goes with it because it does cross into fantasy with the dream sequences um and it crosses into the disturbing realities of war um with well you know where it where it ends i mean that is just boy talk Talk about i mean uh, i can see that i anybody who saw this on the big screen there, there was dead silence walking out of that theater
0: yeah i saw it at the theater and it was uh I think my wife and I saw it on a date night. I don't know if that was a wise oh, idea. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I think the thing is there's so much power in those images and I think the an- here's what the animation does particularly in this film. It it provides you with additional layers of feeling that aren't related mm-hmm. to just depression or the crushing soullessness of war. You know, right. it, this is a this there's darkness and there are gut punch moments. And yet the overall feeling of this film, you still walk away with moments of beauty, with moments of, it, it. there's poetry in it that's that reminds me when you talk about a live action film that does something similar, like Thin Red Line, you know, where mm-hmm. there's a certain poetry uh, that's if people like the Thin Red Line, if you don't like it, don't compare it to all those years, <laughs> Right, yes. <I> can, yeah. <laughs> I, there, 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 there are two different ways of approaching the same thing, where they're able to show the horror and a certain lyricism at the same exact time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that that mo- this movie does that. It gives you that, it gives you that fantasy, and it gives you the um, the reality. You know, it's sort of it walks the line between the both of them.
0: And I think when we decided to do this podcast, you know, we love animation, and we probably weren't thinking of movies like this. But for me, this is exactly the reason a podcast like this should exist: is to talk yeah. about what animation can achieve when it's pushed to. To kind of its it's zenith and, and, and to do something that you wouldn't expect it to be done. And that's one of these movies. It's right up there at the top,
1: really. I agree. I agree.
0: So let's talk our second film, and this is, I had seen Waltz with Bashir, like I mentioned, I saw it once in a the theater back in 2008, and there's really not necessarily a great reason I hadn't seen it since, it just, uh, you know, if for one thing, some of those images and everything are so strong that it sort of sticks with you, you know, and you aren't, uh, and it isn't necessarily a feel good, I'm going to, let's go back to the, you know, let's watch that again next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, but, right. So it's been a while since I'd seen the film, but I had never seen this movie, Funan, which, is which isn't a which is really that old. It's a 2018 movie. It's a yeah. period drama film. It's directed by Dennis Doe. It's written by Doe and Miguel Apuzi, with the uh, participation here of uh, Elise Trin. And it's about a Cambodian woman who's looking for her child who was taken from her by force during the uh, Khmer Rouge Revolution in, in 1975. And Funan, yeah. what's interesting about it is that when uh doe he wrote and directed it he's born in france he's a mix of french chinese and cambodian but it's based on when he was researching into his mother's uh his mother's experiences and kind of her memories you know it's another movie that kind of deals about memories and what happened in the past now it doesn't take place that you know the past is the present in this film in a sense you know uh doe's past his mother's past but uh and The main protagonist show is based off of his mother. So Cho yep. lives in uh Nam Pen with her husband and their whole family. It's a big, kind of extended family. And uh her mother and grandmother live there, they have other children, and when the Khmer Rouge take out the government, they are like they're evacuated by force from the city, you know, by the revolutionaries. And the movie after that point becomes a story about you know, really grueling, harrowing, horrific experiences. Again, this is not a typical war film in the sense that we are watching soldiers fight a battle. This is; These are, particularly in this case, this is a family trying to survive a horrific situation. And right. so in a lot of ways, this is maybe a little bit closer to watching some of those sequences in grave of the fireflies, uh, with the, with the, with an exception, with a difference, I think I'll mention in a minute or watching a, honestly, a Holocaust film, you know, yeah. there's, there's that similar feeling of desperation. I mean, this is, you talk about, um, you know, talk about not talking horror in a sense, this is still horror, you know, yeah. this is a kind of stark, realistic horror. And when you're watching this movie, I mean, even more so to me anyway, um, I'll go into a little bit more of the plot, but not too much, you know, they keep, they're going from town to town and similar to these stories, they just kind of keep finding more heartache, you know, and, and more people become separated. And there are, there's even a circumstance where, you know, uh, Cho and her husband are separated from their children and there, you know, you see what happens to some of the children. And there's one, there's one subplot involving the brother and the sister that, what happens there is really heartbreaking and dark. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you have, I, I'm going to, you know, I will point out there, there's rape in this film. There's a, yeah. uh, there's a sequence. There's, there's actually rape and revenge in this film. And yeah. there's a, there's a, there's some circumstances of people even being uh, tortured and burned alive and shot. Yeah. And yet they're handled where most of this stuff technically happens off screen, And you're left with the look and the witness of the faces of the people who are there bearing witness to it, in a sense, you know? And that makes it all the more haunting, I think. At first, I was like, why is this animated? Because this is like a grueling live action account of. Of, of what it took to survive these circumstances. And it's not even necessarily what it took because a lot of times, you know, they continue to, to, to persevere on, but it just, things keep happening. You know, this horrific situation keeps bringing fresh new nightmares to the surface. And it's almost, it's it's wearying. You know, I, I think it's intentionally wearying, but it kind of starts to beat you down after a while, right. even in this animated form. But I think the animation is important here. It's different than Grave of the Fireflies. It doesn't sentiment. I didn't feel it sentimentalized anything. It almost wants to make these images starker and and almost burned into your brain because you we know these filmmakers, I think they understand we have seen atrocities, we've seen video footage of atrocities, and at a certain point, even that will will essentially numb you. And so he chooses for a style that's going to 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 kind of burn into your brain you know it's going to sear you a little more i think than if this wasn't animated again some of the images of just seeing a silhouette of someone against the burning flames would do more than if i actually watched a person being burned you know you know right it's it's evocative in a completely different way uh it's a really strong story it's a gripping poignant story but it's also a rough story story oh yeah Uh, and and um and I'm still not entirely sure. Honestly, you know, uh, you talked about. I think we we, we did our Kong episode. You talked about how that King Kong, the, the Peter Jackson Kong, was a little exhausting with its dinosaur fights and everything yes. else. This was yeah. exhausting to me in a different way. And I had to ask myself, and kind of watching it in so close parts to me, the Waltz with the was did it need to be this exhausting? Right. <laughs> what did you think of this one?
1: I'll tell you what. I, I did. I really liked it. Um... And of the two, and it's, you know, so you brought up Walsh with Bashir. Walsh with, with Bashir took advantage of the animation. This could have been live action. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. This could have been. Now, I did see an interview with Dennis, though, and it is based on his mother's experiences. His mother, um, you know, a child is is wanders off and then they lose him, you know, gets taken away, like you said, and then they, they are, they're... Uh, most of the movie are these parents trying to get back to their child while being forced to work in these uh, in these labor camps by the by the Khmer Rouge. Um, this actually happened to Dennis Doe's mother with his older brother. They, they lost him for several years at the same time period. Um, so it was him taking his mother's stories and putting them into a movie. Now Dennis Doe talked about you know why it was animated. It's because he says he likes to draw. He that he was thinking of maybe doing a, a series of comic books about this, Damn but said, no, you know, he decided to do it as an animated film because that's the medium he chooses for his career. That's what he's chosen for his career. That's what he wants to do. This could have been, of the two, this could have worked more. Uh, this this w- was the one of the two that could have been a live action, you know, when you think about it. But there is something about the animation with it too um that it even makes it i guess it, it makes it a little bit even more hard hitting than if it was a live action you know you think of um oh what was that the killing fields from yes, the 80s I would, which that, dealt that was dealt with this same stuff in my mind yeah yeah and and that's a that's a, a great movie i mean it really is from um i want to say 85 i think uh, the killing fields came out yeah um and that's telling a similar story uh to this and what's another thing that he does, if you think about it, it really is about this family. He doesn't go into the history of the Khmer Rouge. No, he doesn't. He doesn't go into, you know, here a few titles at the beginning, but that's it. This is not a story about Cambodia. This is not a story about the Khmer Rouge and what they did. You see that, but it's a story about this family trying to get back to their child, And that's the story he wanted to tell the way he explains it is, you know, I didn't go too deep into the Khmer Rouge because he looks at movies as, 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 um, a medium that opens the door halfway. Anyone who wants to learn more about the Khmer Rouge will take this movie and go with it. I mean, you and I, I've done that and I'm sure you've done it too, where you see a movie based on reality. You right away go researching the topic because you want to know more about it. And that's what he's saying he did with this movie. This movie is about this family. It's it's based on his mother's story. And he said he showed this to his mother. And his mother um, would get angry when the Khmer Rouge would come on. And she would recognize the characters, you know, even the ones that were sort of, um, you know, not based directly on real people, but people who in the family. Um, and, and she would recognize them. And um, there's a scene where they're stealing, um, I guess it's mangoes from a tree and he said his mother was laughing out loud because when she told that story it was a funny story it's not funny in the movie though you know in the movie it's just they're trying to get food and his mother actually said to him you didn't make it funny (laughs) and he's like well it just didn't work out to be funny (laughs) in the movie with everything else that's going on you know i know your story of this of this situation is funny but it just didn't work that way in the movie um so I that's think that's, what it,
0: that's actually a super interesting point, Dave, because if I had any kind of, like, complaint with this movie versus some of the, the others, is that it has become so heavily entrenched in that drama, in that drive to find a child, in these horrible things that happen, that you are sitting there and wondering, where were the? was there levity, was there any, and maybe that's kind of what this is missing is those moments, like, even amongst darkness, where is the where's the levity you know mm-hmm. not not humor right. but but a certain lightness of touch that it's interesting that the mother is like hey that was a you know i understand everything going on around it but that should have been a funny story
1: right right because when she told it it was a funny yeah. story you know <laughs> um but no you you don't get that and i mean this is a very um again harrowing this is just a, a, a like you were saying it's just uh uh, with the Khmer Rouge. I mean, and what there's, you know, basically it's, it's just, you know, in service of the state, um, it's, it's a form of communism and, and, and it's, it's them saying, Hey, you know, um, these people are in labor camps. You're here to work for the greater good for Cambodia. And we're trying to drive the, the imperialism of America out of you and the imperial poison in you and you're working for us. But yet, as you see with a lot of um, other, you know, uh, communism, especially in Russia, there isn't everybody working. There's still a system, you know, there, there's still that hierarchy and the guards are living a really nice life while everybody else is suffering, you know? So it's not everybody working for the common good. There's still some people on top sort of living off the cream while everybody else is suffering. Um And you get that from this, but that's not even the story. That's not the story that they're going for. It really is trying to find this child. And it starts as a fairly big extended family. Yeah. And just narrows down from tragedy to tragedy to tragedy. Um, There was a moment when it
0: almost reminded me of, uh, it's not a really comparison point in terms of like the, the way the movies are, but it reminded me of The Host, the the, the, uh, uh, yes. the Korean, the, 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 South, Korean the South Korean horror film. Yes,
1: the great South Korean film. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I should say the great
0: film where, it be, you know, there's this search for this child, which also has a lot of poignant moments. And, and you are, you're watching this family, you know, come together, torn apart, come together, torn apart. And... Um, yeah, so they were were—it was interesting just to think about. Oh, these are two different films, but
1: it um, is. But if, the funny thing is, in the host—not to get too far off topic—but in the host, they're basically trying to rescue the only member of the family that's worth a damn, and actually has a future. You know, <laughs> well,
0: in a sense, yeah, it's the one that they've—they've they've kind of put all their eggs in the basket, and I think that's what makes that movie so interesting because you realize as they're going along that these other people do have something to offer, but they—she's their—she's their magnetic center. She's what makes them work. Exactly, and, uh, she's, she's the one man. holding
1: them all together
0: right? <laughs> and So but let me ask you something Because yeah. you know, and I do think this is a strong movie I think it's a good movie, it's a movie worth seeing and yet, every time we mention one of these other films, The Killing Fields, even The Host, I sit there and I think that emotionally, I was connected to all of those films a little more. Now, it's not to say I wasn't, because there are emotional things that happen here. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I honestly believe that if Doe had not animated this, and I think he has a, I think he has a future in doing animated features, and I want to see him to make more films uh, like this one. But I think, like you said. I think the best way to say this, you said this didn't have to be animation. It's that the story it's telling, there are no images here that couldn't have been told in live action without spending a fortune. You know, they they, they could have made this film as a relatively, uh, if not low budget, but lower budget, like uh, dramatic live action film. But I think if it had just been that, it almost might have felt the edges would have been duller. I think that it would have probably fallen into that you know it it would have blended into the background of all these other sort of torturous war films we've seen you know where you think that was good it took it out of me i don't know if i'm ever going to watch i didn't i didn't have those ups and downs or the 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 nuances of emotional experience i kind of wanted to have with it but that being said it's a beautifully shot film and he tells a harrowing story i think the thing i haven't emphasized is this is not as graphic as we may be making it sound right uh, right the events are harrowing but the imagery hurts you in a different way almost by by pulling back from the violence but from the the visualization of the violence
1: the visual he said he did that on purpose you know he, yeah. he said you know there was a lot obviously with the khmer rouge tons of violence i mean millions were suffering and dying under the Khmer Rouge and being tortured and, 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 and just, and shot and murdered and, you know, thrown into ditches and everything. He didn't necessarily, he didn't go that route with it. He didn't take it to that violence. But again, that was him sort of saying that the sort of half open door, you know, he's, he's saying, if you want to know more about the Khmer Rouge, this, maybe this movie will launch you into learning a little bit more about it. That's not what he was setting out to do. He wasn't setting out to give you a history of this and, and, and even and even with the Khmer Rouge, all, there are there are characters within that that group that are somewhat sympathetic or become sympathetic, you know, or be or become yeah. where they're not just looked at as the total villains, you know, um, which history could rightly make them, you know.
0: And, and that's where I think it does bear some semblances to a movie like A Grave of the Fireflies. So like you say, that film is also not really about the backdrop. It's about these characters and the yep. people you encounter and the choices those people make. There aren't a lot of heroes and they're not necessarily a lot of villains. It's just a lot of people trying to survive, right? in a sense. And you get some of that here. Now, how did this work for you dramatically, like overall?
1: I'll tell you what. I, I This is the second time I've seen it. And I just watched it again today and it worked a little bit better for me on, on a second viewing um, than it did the first. And I had no problem with it um, the first time, but I just the whole time I'm just kind of thinking like, OK, well, this is animated. Why is it animated? Um, because I hadn't seen the interview um, w- with the director by that point. And really, the reason it's animated is that's the medium he chooses to work in. That's what you know he, he did. Like I said, he originally thought of doing this as a graphic novel. He thought of telling this story as a graphic novel, and decided instead to make it as a film. Um, so, it, it, you know, it was like, okay, it, it, it just as far as an animated movie, it didn't. Um, uh, I shouldn't say it didn't stand out because it did from its from its thematic elements. Um, but it's just the animation style and whatnot is very straightforward. But I connected with it more on a second viewing um, on on that emotional level that he was shooting for. I think. And I can understand where you're coming from. I and mean, this is obviously the first time you've seen it. And I don't know that it's not the type of movie that I would recommend, hey, go out and watch it again in a week. Because like you're saying, it's <laughs> it's very dark and it's very troubling in, 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 in a lot of ways. Um, but I think at some point it would be one maybe to revisit uh, down the road just to sort of look at it from that. Once you get past the whole... And, you know, a sort of straightforward animated style of it to to get into the story of it um, and and the story of this family. And it really is, without going into the history of the Khmer Rouge, it's putting you there. It's putting you in the middle of the Khmer oh, Rouge yeah, and what they did. Um, so you just you can't help but um, experience what they were experiencing and just the horrific uh, nature of everything that they were going through. And I'm I'm actually still pretty high
0: on this. I just think that it, it it's one of those movies, I've said this sometimes um with Bill on Pam Galaxy, is that you get to a point when a movie is so good, it mm-hmm. sort of like makes you realize it could have been just a little bit better. And it leaves you yeah. unfortunately with that almost like slight, just a little bit dissatisfied feeling where you're like, oh, but you were so good that maybe, you know, it's so... It is very ambitious. It is very harrowing. It hits you in the stomach a couple times. And it also may have been its proximity to Waltz with Bashir that... To me, was kind of on a, on a on a slightly different level. It is, but um, it is it is a very good movie. Now, the one thing I think is amusing about this, and I, it might be that I just don't, un- I think I just didn't understand this label, uh, the the this releasing label as much is you because you see a lot of the same sort of I think, um, kind of like avant garde and, and kind of foreign and and mm-hmm. uh, some of the more exotic films. You know, there's this um, this distribution uh label called g kids that often yes. is releasing a lot for a long time was releasing animated films and almost by clockwork i could look and say that looks really fun and an interesting movie i could show to my kids you know and mm-hmm. the, and i thought that g kids label was almost like hey they're doing animated work and it's it's gonna be it's more like a family's and then uh, in recent years i realized that's not the case <laughs> that, no that can't, and that can't be the case because i this think was released that, under uh, that label
1: and this was released under that like, exactly, and this is certainly yeah. not one that the kids are gonna are gonna like. Because I'm thinking, I think G Kids had done things like Oko's In and Penguin's yes. Highway, if I'm not mistaken. Which are, which are and sort did of they do the, the
0: Is it the Fantastic World of um? Oh, what was it? Um, it was, a, it was a girl's name. I can't think of it now, but I probably will. Of oh um, yeah, and it was a uh, Victorian like fantasy uh, yes. story. And yes, and it was only, I, I it was from a couple the- years ago is it but, the
1: extraordinary world or is it I, something I, I like that of, of yeah. somebody
0: I'll, I'll remember it probably right. when this podcast is over, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> off uh, the top and i think we even own it because we bought it when it came out and it was it was a, a victorian sort of steampunk almost had the animation style that reminded you of tin tin or something and it was very um, right uh or it was annabelle or arabelle in the somebody in the extraordinary world uh, like that or april april and the extraordinary world i knew april it. april
1: and the, yeah april that's yeah. what it is yes okay but g kids has released
0: wolf walkers and things like that and so you see all these films uh you know a cat in paris and if you go to their um their page and look a lot of it is these animated movies so for the most part you could show some of them to your kids um but they also they do ones that uh that aren't uh like Funan and uh, the extraordinary tales the uh growl and poe stories yes um they 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 have a very wide uh and they have one i haven't seen yet that's about a um a disembodied hand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> called i lost my body
1: <laughs> yeah that was up for um best animated last year i did see yeah. that and that is a very that is yeah that is a dark movie as well <laughs> we'll, have
0: to, we'll have to cover that one because i'd like to see that when i haven't yeah. seen it yet but mm-hmm. um it looks uh it looks interesting but gee kids i'll put that out there for people who enjoy animation they have a lot They they put a lot of interesting stuff out there if you want if you want to expand the world of the animated films you're aware of Go to their page and just scroll down, and you'll see stuff like the Miyazaki films, but you'll see other movies like the Spanish language movie Nocturna and the movie The Painting uh, Mm -hmm. and Perfect Blue movies that the the Rabbi's Cat movies that are absolutely one hundred percent worth. Now they did
1: they did not do the um uh, did they do Loving Vincent I'm I'm not sure if they did that. Oh, did they? Yeah, and I don't know. Like, there's so many things
0: on this page. I'm wondering if they if they could have possibly done all like these, because it looks like every animated film, but that's a good yeah. movie too. That would be a great oh, one. Loving to, Vincent to is,
1: is a, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that would be a great um, one to cover. Right. So, well, but yeah, did I think you this wanna, is a strong movie. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say what I, my, my rating, because I, I think I might ultimately be a little higher than you. Um, it's still not going to be as high as the others. It's, it's about an eight out of 10. Um, and that's on a second viewing. I think after my initial viewing, it might've been more around a seven and a half. Um, but that's exactly I did right. connect I mean, it's it with seven it. And a half. Yeah, yeah. I did connect it with it a little bit more in a second viewing. And again, and I think that seven and
0: a half though is with the caveat. That's my personal rating. The caveat that someone else, I think it could easily be an eight. It is. A, it's a mm-hmm. film that I, I'm acknowledging that part of, Part of my response to the film, and as a critic, I kind of learned early on, that's kind of what you have to be is honest to yourself, you know, it's like, uh, is that some of it just wore me down a little bit, but I was always impressed with the work that's being done. This Dennis Doe, if he chooses to make more films, is going to be somebody to watch out for, I think. And I love actually, I love the idea that he, why did he make an animation? he's good at it and he wanted to you know right. the only way we're going to expand animation into something that isn't the you know so that the academy stops thinking of it as the little like ghetto where we put the movies that are competing with Pixar
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> that right. are there
0: to legitimize Pixar's win <laughs> is the fact <laughs> is the fact that people just start making like just with everything else like we, we talk about casting different kinds of people or things like that you know when it starts happening just because you're choosing to do it that's when it's starting to expand when I why did you animate that why was that movie? Why did you animate it because I wanted to make an animation you know when you right. start making that choice, that's when you're I think that's when the you will see the medium as we have been seeing the medium sort of explode. Why do half yeah. of these movies have to be animated? Well, they didn't. Sometimes the most fascinating movies end up being that way. So mm-hmm. I agree with you i I can totally see myself latching on to, the the style and the rhythms of the storytelling better maybe on a second viewing. It is a hard and a dark subject. Um, yeah. I do think the Killing Fields is a stronger film. but... Oh, ultimately, uh, yes,
1: I agree. I because it um I it just is. I mean with the with yeah. the way it sort of delves into the Khmer Rouge. The Khmer Rouge are supporting characters in this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know it's and they're supporting characters story. in
1: yeah it's a very different story. And the supporting characters in, in the Killing Fields too but on a on a much um Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for is uh, a much more direct level you know as opposed to this as opposed to um, what what you get in uh, in Funan
0: well, and, and again, like what you mentioned, it's a movie like The Host or the movie like The Impossible that dealt with that tsunami. You know, like it's yes. the family watching this family struggle through and find the missing member and see everything that happens to them. And its scope is amazing. And it's a strong recommendation for me. I think, and uh, you, you know, what's the first thing I said to you, Dave? I texted you and I said, man, thanks for recommending it. I'm glad I yeah. saw that movie because I think it would have passed me by. And it's on right. Netflix right so now. There's so many.
1: There are so yeah. many um uh, movies. I mean, even even just an anime, um. You know the the uh, what I'm finding is is I was looking over the years that at, I wanna I wanted to check out some of the more interesting animated films over the years, and sometimes there's like ten of them coming out. Um, you know, from from all different companies yeah. coming out in the same the same year, just an anime. That's not even talking about other animated, you know, styles and studios and whatnot, and. Um, there's a lot of them out there. So it's, it's easy to overlook some of them. And 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 I, I was glad I got the chance to, uh, to see this one. It was really, it was really the story that sort of pulled me in that said, oh, well, this, this looks like it could be a little bit different. And it definitely was.
0: Yeah, very strong movie. I think, again, so far we've had, you know, every... And we haven't always seen every movie that we've we've uh, picked yet. Uh, yeah. I think we'll, usually one of us has at least seen one of them. But they're, they're both great movies. I would recommend both of them. And again, that's on Netflix right now. And you know, it's funny, Dave, because now that I'm looking over this G Kids website, you could almost just pull that thing down, spin it, and point a finger, and we would probably have a great selection for, next, yeah.
1: for the next I'm time I'm
0: seeing be- how much stuff is on it um genius party i've seen genius party but i bet that that would be an interesting one a fun one to check yeah, out i have not too. seen that
1: one that that'd be cool um, okay
0: but there's lots of uh there, there there's a lot of stuff out there so wow I mean, you know what like,
1: like oko's in oko's in um basically is a ghost story yes.
0: it is what? it's a you yeah
1: but, I mean, st- sort of at a kid's level. I mean, it's not something that's going to creep you out necessarily, you know, but it, but it's a ghost story, which I thought was would, innocent, very interesting.
0: It would pair well with when Marnie was there or when Marnie yeah, was here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Absolutely. They, they w- that That'd would be, be I think, one. a good, a, a, a neat pairing if you want to talk about kind of the ghost stories. But, yeah, Oco's in is a really, is a really good movie. Yeah, um, I agree. I enjoyed it. I thought – but um yeah there's so much here um phantom boy love, you know just a lot of neat stuff if you want to go to the the G kid site and uh well wow you know what dave uh like this gives me hope it's an it's an hour and 11 minutes yeah, look we, at that. Uh, yeah wow. we, we did it
1: so did it. <laughs> um
0: i i'm excited i uh i'm looking forward to so we can announce do you want to announce what next time what we're going to do next time um, absolutely
1: Next episode, we're going to be looking at two of the DC Batman movies and um, some interesting ones. We have Soul of the Dragon and Gotham by Gaslight, which Gotham by Gaslight, I'm pretty sure, is the Jack the Ripper. uh, Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen either one. I have not seen either one, so I'm looking forward to seeing them both. And for short films, um, I know we had talked about this. We were going to take a look at a couple Looney Tunes uh, cartoons. Um, uh, Duck Amok. And, um, oh boy, I can't remember the title of it now. The one with the, um, with the, uh, with the frog <laughs> who is, uh, um, who can sing until anybody else is watching. I, I can't remember one froggy evening. Is it one froggy evening? One froggy evening. Yeah. I'm going to be looking <laughs> at duck and, Muck and one froggy evening. So um, that'll, that'll be the next episode. So I'm, looking, yeah. I'm really looking forward to, to checking out these Batman because I'm not as familiar with, um, with the DC animated. And from what I understand, they're knocking it out of the park even more. I mean, Marvel has some animation, but DC is what's knocking it out of the park um, in the animation field from what I understand. And I'm, not, I'm just not as exp- uh, don't have as much exposure to that um, as I would like. So I'm really looking forward to seeing these two.
0: Yeah, me too. And next time, we will have uh, Victor Rodriguez joining us oh, yeah. for this. Uh, yep. And we're also going to look at probably a couple, in, in more of a general sense, some of the Batman the Animated Series from the 90s, uh, probably oh, yeah. an episode or two of that, and talk about Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, which was a, actually a theatrically released movie from back in that time. Uh, but our mm-hmm. primary reviews will be of those two. And I I found... I found something recently when I was uh, I was out shopping. I found it in a bin Batman Ninja, which is apparently I also an that. animated yeah. film. Where, <laughs> yeah, so I've got that one. So we we might have to do a giveaway there for our next episode. Nice. Um, but yeah, this has been a ton of fun, Dave. Thank you for joining me, and this was the Illustrated Fan signing out. Till next time. If you've been enjoying the music here on Phantom Galaxy, the opening theme and the closing theme. Are both brought to you by synth pop artist Ares Beats. He's done a lot of really cool stuff in the world of synth pop, a lot of very interesting genre based retro themes. You can find more of his work over at Ares And until next time, we are the Phantom Galaxy.